Let's pray. Father, I pray that in our soul right now we know how good it is to say the Lord is holy. Lord, I pray that we know how worth it it is. Whatever we didn't finish, whatever we left behind, whatever we had to do to get here, it is absolutely worth it if we do nothing else but this gather together and say the Lord is holy. Lord, I pray that each of us right now can say that in our heart and in our soul. Lord, some of us maybe right now we would cry out, the Lord is holy, and, and we say that from a position of real sadness, of, of hurt, of fear. Others may say the Lord is holy, and we say that from a position of excitement and praise and thanksgiving for something that's happened. Lord, I imagine a lot of us are just somewhere in between that. But God, with whatever's gone on this day, with wherever we are in life, I pray that right now we'd know there's nothing more important than to say you're holy. And to look forward to that day that by the blood of Jesus we will enter into the holy of holies and see our King. Let us see you now, Lord, through your word. Let us see you now, God, in your will for our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now in a little bit of a turn of events, look at the screen. Saga continues. The battle between good and evil. The battle between light and dark. Boy, that has been the source of a great deal of mythology, of literature, of religion, of history. It has been a great deal of source of reality. For it is real. And in both reality and in fantasy, there is a very real lure to one side or the other. You and I are, are being drawn. We're being pulled to one side or the other. And in both fantasy and reality, you can't be both. That makes sense, doesn't it? Luke Skywalker can't wield the lightsaber for, for both the light and the dark side. No, you've, you've got to choose. You can only pick one. That makes sense, doesn't it? So, so why is it that so many of us, maybe all of us, who walk in the light, who, who take advantage of the benefits and the rewards of knowing and walking in the light, 
still like to go back sometimes and dally in the darkness. That's a temptation of ours. And it's one that the Lord talks to us about. Because there is a very real battle between light and dark. Turn with me this evening to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to continue our study in this great letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible with you this evening, I hope you'll grab one there in front of you in the pew and study and read along with us. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. It says there, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments. For because of these things, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. The Scripture here makes a very obvious cry to us as believers. You can't walk on the dark side. You can't go back there anymore. It starts off by saying here, you and I are not to partner with darkness. We can't participate in the activities of darkness. We can't do that anymore. We can't go back to that place. Now, it starts by warning us here. It says in verse 6, let no one deceive you. What's the deception? What is it that you and I are tempted that we are open to being deceived by? I think it's the idea that there's no consequence when you and I go back to the darkness. And and I think you and I get stuck in that thought for for two reasons. One, I'm forgiven. I've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And and if I sin today or if I sin tomorrow, I'm going to ask for His forgiveness. But that forgiveness is so... I can come back here to what we were just praying about, what we were just singing about. That forgiveness gives me the ability to see God in His holiness. That, uh, that forgiveness gives me the ability to cry out holy. The forgiveness is not to free me up to go back to the darkness. But that, that forgiveness, I think, sometimes we treat a little bit as a safety net. I think also we might look out into the world and, gosh, I I see people living in immorality. I see them living in in impurity and in greed and in selfishness. And they don't seem to be suffering too much. They seem to be doing all right. Matter of fact, sometimes I think they're doing better than I am. It doesn't look like there's any consequences for living in the darkness. And so with this idea that there's maybe no consequences and I've got a safety net of forgiveness, we're lured, we're tempted to go back. Boy, could I remind you of another passage of Scripture that warns us not to be deceived. Galatians 6-7. 
It says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. You know what? When you and I go back just for a moment into the darkness, that's exactly what we're doing. We're mocking. We're not experiencing God's forgiveness. We're mocking that forgiveness. And God says, you know what? Whether you can see the consequences right now or not, make no mistake. When we walk back into the darkness, you're going to reap what you sow. Now, our passage here tells us specifically what we're not to be deceived by. It says empty arguments, empty arguments, empty thoughts, empty words that roll around in our head, empty thoughts and words that we hear people say. They kind of go along this idea of there's no consequences, phrases and words like, you know what? Everyone goes to heaven. What's that say? There's no consequences for how we live. We all get in in the end. You know, there's churches in this area. There's churches within a 30-minute radius of here. Many of them that carry the banner Christian. And they would say, everybody goes to heaven. All faiths will get you there. There's other empty arguments like, uh, you know what, just do your best. It'll be good. That's kind of the positive way of saying, hit the bell curve. Go, go for a good solid C. The negative way of saying that is, hey, everybody sins. Everybody commits sexual immorality. Every, everybody lies. Everybody cuts corners. We all do it. You know, she said, I mean, how angry can God get? I mean, you know, we're all there together. Oh, God just forgives everyone. Now, why are these Empty arguments. Why are these empty words? This word here for empty, it means without substance, without content. There's nothing in it. Now, this is a big deal for us. This is a very big phrase. Be careful not to be deceived by empty arguments. Why is that such a big deal for us? Because we live in a society that says if you think it, if you feel it, if you say it, it's truth. Oh, if, I mean, especially if I really, really, really believe it in my heart. Oh, I believe, I believe with all my heart that the sky is green. And when I go out there, I see green. Man, the, the sky is green to me. In our society, that makes it truth. In the Bible, that's called empty. It's empty. That, 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 that's a statement. That is a word that has no anchor in reality. It has no anchor in truth. It is empty and it will leave you empty. We're to be careful of that kind of emptiness because the truth is what? The truth is it does matter how we live. It does matter what choice we make because it says here God's wrath is coming against the disobedient. Now, see, we're not the disobedient anymore. We're not the the dark anymore. We're the light. We are light. We are to walk in the light and we are to enjoy the blessing of the light of the Messiah shining on our lives. That's that's the message. That's the call. Now, we're challenged with this in three different ways. First of all, you see there in verse seven, we're told don't become partners. Don't partner with those In the darkness, you notice it says, therefore, every time you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. Therefore, therefore, in light of what? In light of the fact that the wrath of God is coming against the disobedient, don't partner with them. 
Do you hear Paul saying here? Do you realize how stupid that is? Don't buy a ticket on the Titanic when it's going down. Don't buy stock in a company when it's going bankrupt. And don't partner with the disobedient when the wrath of God is getting ready to fall on their life. It ought to be a pretty simple thought, shouldn't it? But we do it. Now, this word partner is important to understand here because I've seen people use a verse like this to say, you know what, we are to have nothing to do with the world. We're to have nothing to do with unbelievers. And that's not what this passage is saying right here. It's saying that we don't partner with them. Folks, we have to witness. We've been commanded to witness to a lost world. And most witnessing is done through relationships. We do have relationships with unbelievers. What we're not to do is partner. That word partner has the idea of a formal bond. In other words, I'm tied into the relationship. I can't get out of it. Now, why is it important? Because when you and I go into a witnessing situation, we're in a relationship with somebody that's in the darkness. We need to have the ability to back out when what happens when we see that they're impacting us more than we're impacting them. That happen? Sure does. It happened to me more than once. I've gone in there with the intent to influence them, but all of a sudden I notice, hey, wait a minute, I think they're having more of an influence on how I talk and how I think and how I act. And hopefully I've got the discernment, the discipline to see that, and I need to back up. I need to get some space. I need to get my bearings back, and I need to realize why God's called me into that relationship. But now, if there's a partnership there, if there's a formal bond there, all of a sudden, I don't have the ability to back up. You know, probably the easiest illustration of this word is marriage. And it's why God says a believer cannot marry an unbeliever. Why? Because if that unbeliever begins to pull that believer down into the darkness, they can't back up. They can't say, you know what, I'm going to get a little distance between this relationship for a while. No, you can't do that. You're stuck now being pulled down into the darkness. They're influencing you. You're not influencing them. So when the scripture says here, don't partner with the darkness, it's saying be very careful, be very guarded in the kind of relationships you have with people who are living in the darkness. Make sure they're not influencing your lifestyle. Why? Because you're of the light. You you see it there. You were of the light. Now, you were once of the darkness. There's a real focus in this text on the past tense. I, I was once of the dark. I mean, I was once over there. I, I was once in that place that was represented by rejection of God and sin and darkness and, and evil. I used to be there, but I'm not anymore. I'm in the light now. I belong to the light. Why, why would I want to go back over there? You know what? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And when you and I believe in Him, we become sons of light, we become children of light, and Jesus says, you know what, you can't go back over there. You can't remain in the darkness, you can't dally in the darkness, you can't go anywhere near that. You're of the light. We struggle with this thought. But just think of the story. Luke can't go both places. He can't fight for the light one day and the darkness next. And that makes all the sense in the world to us. It should make just as much sense in reality. You, you, you can't go back and forth. We are of the light. We are to walk in the light. And Paul says when we do, there's going to be some clear fruit. There's going to be a real product of walking like that. And you see these words here. You're going to see goodness, righteousness and truth in your life. 
That word goodness means that there is a generosity. That there is a graciousness about how I relate with people. You know, sometimes we relate with people and we kind of keep it at arm's length and, and we measure out and we're very careful in what they do and how close they get. You know, they irritate us. We don't like them. They're a drain on our life. It, well, this says, no, there's a real generosity there is a graciousness, there's a patience, there's a long-suffering, there is a giving in the way that I relate and deal with people. There's a righteousness. That word means right standing. The way I relate with an individual, with individuals, with the relationships in my life, it is right toward them, it's right toward God. It's pleasing all the way around. There is a rightness in the way I relate. And then truth. Truth. What's that mean? Openness. Honesty. Genuineness. You see what's being described in that word? The exact opposite of people who live in darkness. You know, when you live in darkness, you've got to cover things, don't you? You know, when, when you lie, when you steal, when you cheat, when you're, when you're playing one person against the other, you're constantly having to manipulate, maneuver. You're trying, I've got to keep this person from knowing what this person knows. You, you, gotta, you know what, when you're in the truth, you don't have to live that way. It's very freeing. There's a lot of stress release in living in the truth. You don't have to worry about all these things. It's all out there in the open. It's all honest. And the result is, look at this phrase, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. That's kind of a tricky phrase. I like the word there better, and your text may even say this, proves. This is a life that proves what is pleasing to the Lord. I mean, this is pretty exciting, folks. You and I, through Christ, not only have the opportunity to live in a way that God says, I'm so pleased to watch you live. But this actually, this word, this discerning, this proving, actually means that God would look at the world and point to you and say, look over there at this person. That's what it looks like when I'm pleased with somebody. You see, now I've got a chance to partner with God in showing what light looks like. Why do I want to go back here and partner in darkness where there's nothing but, but death? Why do I want to partner in that when I've got an opportunity to partner with God? I don't want to go to the evil emperor, and there is an evil emperor. I don't want to go to that guy. I want to go over here and partner with God and live in the light. Second thing this passage tells us to do here in verse, uh, I lost my, oh, blew the page closed. Verse 11, don't participate. Told not to partner. Now we're told not to participate in the activities of darkness. Now I'm going to call a little time out here. You know, we're using some awfully foreboding, ominous words here. Darkness, evildoers. You know, I would imagine most of us would say, you know, if I, as, has anybody in here sinned? Yeah, we would all, well, yeah, I have. I mean, very few of us, if any, are going to say, no, I've never sinned. But you know what? Most of us, while we will confess to sin, we won't confess to this, these words. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've sinned, but, but my sins don't go in that evildoer category. My sins don't go over here under darkness. Gosh, that sounds awful. That, that's the really, really, really bad sinners. You know what I just said? An empty argument. A, a, a statement that has no bearing in truth. A statement that has no bearing in reality. The Bible doesn't have really, really dark, evildoer sins and then kind of a, a light mocha cappuccino sin. You know, non-fat sin. 
Now, it doesn't break it up like that. We do that. We do. We have light sins and dark sins, serious sins and not so bad sins. That doesn't have any bearing in truth. The truth is, the realities is, all sin, one sin, every sin goes over here under the category of darkness. Your little lie, your little outburst of anger, your bad mood, it all goes over here under darkness. It all goes over here under evildoer. And the Bible says, man, don't participate. I mean, the bottom line is don't participate in sin. No sin, not one of them. Man, our lives are supposed to be just the opposite. It's not just that we don't do sin. No, we, what do we do? We expose them. Man, not only am I not to be participating in them, I'm actually to be exposing sin. Now, some people, especially those of us maybe with a little bit more legalistic personality, a little bit more judgmental personality, we use this word to say expose. Now, that's why we need to call sinners out. John over here is sexually immoral. Y'all think we pray for them or stone them? I vote for stoning. And there are people, they think that's their gift. To call sinners out. To call people what they are. This isn't about calling people out. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. You may not have ever really recognized this. Did you know that you and I are not to call out unbelievers? We don't judge unbelievers. God judges unbelievers. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 to 13 is the passage that says that. Do you know why? Because when we're working with unbelievers, our focus is on their need for the Lord, not a particular sin in their life. I'm not saying that there's never a time with a believer or an unbeliever that we're not addressing and dealing with a particular sin issue. I'm saying that this passage is not saying that. It's not about exposing people for what they are. What this passage is about is exposing sin for what it is. Exposing sin for being a lie. Exposing sin. It doesn't work. Now, here, here's what's supposed to be happening. We're to be light, right? Now, part of how we proclaim the light is what we say. We, we proclaim the truth. We study the Bible. We listen to Bible teaching. We go out. We share it with others. We proclaim the truth. But ultimately, what are we talking about here? We're talking about walking in the light. Hasn't that been our focus here? We walk in that. That's living the light. What's supposed to happen here, folks, is as you and I go out into the world, people watch the way I live. They watch the way I live in my marriage, the way I live with my kids, the, the way I handle finances. And over some period of time, they see a very clear, marked difference. And they come to themselves, this could be a believer or an unbeliever. Really, the focus of this text is believers who've gone back over into the darkness. But that a believer or an unbeliever should be able to witness your life in my life and ultimately come to the point and say, you know what? Sin doesn't work. The, the, the darkness is not working. I'm living over here in darkness. In Randy's life, that's what I want. That's a whole lot better than the mess I've got myself in. Now, folks, that's a challenge. That's a challenge to live like that. But do you see how quickly we derail and ruin that opportunity when but for a moment in front of this guy, I go over there and participate in the same darkness that he participates in? You know, I... I we sin in front of other believers and we sin in front of unbelievers. And I, and I don't think we quit. But folks, do you see what a, what a 
travesty it is when we sin in front of people. Because I just took a whack out of my opportunity for my life to say, man, it's a whole lot better in the light than it is over there in the darkness. My life is to be exposing the emptiness, the waste, the meaninglessness of sin and living in the dark. That's our goal. That's what we're to be about. Man, I, th- what an awesome opportunity. What an awesome assignment. What a waste when I go over there and partner in darkness. When I go over there and I participate in those same things. Man, I want to be a light. I, I want to be a light. Man, light just shows everything. Shows everything that is good and right. Of course, it shows everything that's bad too, doesn't it? You know, being the light and light exposing is kind of an opportunity. It's also kind of a warning. It's a warning. Light exposes. You know, I bet if I went around the gym, do you believe God sees everything? I bet I'd get 99.9% agreement. Maybe one person in here. But you know what? Why we all believe that? Well, if you think about the way you and I act and think and speak sometimes, boy, we've got to be hoping sometimes He didn't see. We've got to be banking sometimes. I hope God didn't see that one. Boy, Isaiah 29:15 says, Woe to those who go to lengths to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their works in darkness and they say, Who sees us? Who knows? God sees. God knows. And remember, He's not going to be mocked. Boy, when the light comes on, don't be found mocking God. Man, we've got a great opportunity to to walk in the light, to be blessed by the Messiah shining on our lives. Can you imagine that? The very Son of God, the Messiah, shining on your individual particular life. Why does that not happen? Because we go to sleep. What Paul's trying to do here is he's trying to wake up the spiritually dead, the spiritually lethargic. Is there a deadening happening in your life? Well, I don't know. How do you know if there's a deadening happening in your life? If you can sin and feel no conviction, there's a deadening happening in your life. If you can commit any kind of sin and not think, oh, gosh, man, I need to stop and and confess that and apologize to the Lord. I need to go over and confess that to that person and ask their forgiveness. If you can sin with any kind of regularity and not feel a conviction, there's a deadening happening in your life. If you can sin with any kind of habitualness, you keep going back to it, there's a deadening, there's a sleeping going on in your life. And you see what Paul says here? Wake up! Man, wait, you know when you're asleep at the wheel, you're dangerous to yourself and you're dangerous to everybody around you. You're supposed to be light and yet you're confirming them and joining them in their own darkness. What a lost opportunity. Man, wake up. Get off that path of darkness. You know, get off that. What is this? We're talking about repentance. I'm I'm being lured this way. I'm kind of going this way. No, I want to get off this path and I want to get back going the other way. I want to repent and turn to the Lord. And I want to turn away from acts of darkness and start giving my life more and more to acts of light, acts of God. 
I want to partner with Him. I want to be participating in what He's doing in the world. I want to see the Messiah. That's the end result. Man, I, I want to see the Messiah shine on me. What an opportunity. Darkness, what a waste. There really is an evil emperor. He's not that ugly guy on the screen. His name is Satan. And he really does seek to lure you back to the darkness. Man, turn on the light and tell him to shut up. You know what? That's exactly what you do when you're tempted to lie. But you tell the truth anyway. You just flipped on the light and told Satan to shut up. When you're being lured, when you're being tempted toward immorality, uh, and of course we discussed that last week, and that broad definition and range, you're being lured that way, but you stop yourself, you commit to purity, you put up walls of protection, you get accountability, you have somebody praying with you, you just told Satan to shut up as you flipped on the light. You could have been greedy, you could have been selfish, but you gave, you served, you blessed somebody else. He just flipped on the light and told Satan to shut up. I'm not partnering with you. I'm partnering with my Messiah. And it'll be His light that shines on my life, not your darkness that ruins it. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we, we thank You for this passage because we sure need it. Lord, I, I don't ever, I, I just, when I go into a day, Lord, I don't weigh these kinds of consequences. I, I'm not weighing this big battle between light and dark. I just tell a lie. I just lash out in anger. It just, it's just what happens. Lord, I'm sorry about that. Because whether I acknowledge it or not, whether I know it or not, your word has told me a very real battle is going on. There is a battle between light and dark. Lord, I don't want to partner with the evil emperor. I don't want to participate in, in what he spawns. I want to be light because you're light. I want to be light because, God, man, to think that you would use the way I live as I humbly and so dependently try to walk with you, that you would use my life to rescue and to call somebody else out of that darkness. That's what I want to be a part of, Lord. I want to know the blessing of having the light of the Messiah shine on me. Lord, would You give us the discipline, the wisdom, the discernment as we walk through this week to see with each temptation the very real battle that is waging. And may we slow down. And may we see the sinful choices that sometimes we're making without even thinking. Lord, we want to walk in the light as children of light because our Savior is the light of the world. 
And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.